Welcome to the Liberty on the Land podcast. This is Curtis Stone, episode 23 with Joel Salatin. Happy to be back here, folks. It's been 10 months since the last Liberty on the Land episode. As some of you may be aware, I've been uh, developing a fairly large homestead up here, and it's really consumed my life. And I didn't even have a place to record these podcasts uh, from when we sold our house in September till now. And so I'm really, really excited to be bringing you uh, my return episode with the one and only Joel Salatin. Now, just a quick disclaimer, Joel and I suffered quite a number of technical difficulties throughout this podcast. It seemed like um, the internet gods or uh, (laughs) Joel actually made a a joke in one of our email exchanges after it all went down that uh, maybe the the, the folks at the World Economic Forum thought we were talking about too many things, so they pulled a a miniature cyber polygon on us. So uh, bear bear with it. I've actually done a number of edits to make this, this podcast go a little bit smooth but we actually recorded this over two different days because on the first day the internet got really bad on both of our ends seemingly uh uh, near the, the the second half of it and so i said oh well let's just pick up where we left off tomorrow and try again and so we did that and um yeah there's a little bit of blurps and bits that joel cuts out in but it's not too bad and you you can get the general thrust of what we're talking about um, but, I, but I'm really excited to bring you this conversation. I've actually known Joel for, well, I met Joel 12 years ago at a, at a conference I was doing in Vancouver. And, um, and then, of course, met hung out with him throughout the years, uh, speaking at conferences and whatnot. And um, in this conversation, we cover a number of s- subjects. I actually wanted to have a conversation with Joel for a long time where we just kind of get into the macro perspective um, a little bit of philosophy of liberty, and um, I, it's it's great to have Joel on this podcast because the, the things that we're going to talk about are a lot of things that we talk about on liberty on the land, and um, even even the title of my podcast, um, you know, I couldn't imagine having a better guest, liberty on the land. Uh, not only is Joel Salatin a famous farmer, uh, he's a prolific author, but he has been an outspoken advocate for liberty and freedom and uh, also finding remedy on the land. And these are all things that we're going to talk about in this podcast. So why don't we just jump into it and uh, hope you enjoy it. You know, uh, it's, I think it's been a couple years since we've hung out last. Um, you know, we used to get together at the Mother Earth News Fairs and hang out in the in the green rooms there before the talks and all that. And uh, I remember there was one time where it was you, myself, and John Moody. And we were just getting into sort of deep philosophy about uh, liberty and how it pertains to the family and the farm. And, and, and ever since then, I've wanted to kind of circle back and just talk with you about a lot of these things because you are, uh, in my opinion, a, um, a real veteran of liberty. 
And uh, it's something I've admired in you for, of course, your farming work is a huge inspiration for me, but uh, you're um, not being afraid to speak up about issues, you know, with the government pushing down on farmers and all this. I've always admired this. And so there's some things I wanted to talk to you about this in particular. One was that uh, I actually just recently watched an interview you did with Doug Casey, and you guys were going on PMAs quite a bit. And that's something that uh, private members associations which I think is going to be huge going forward. And um, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about that and whatnot, but um, I'm just kind of curious how the last couple of years has been for you guys on the farm with a lot of this just sort of madness, these lockdowns and heavy regulations and how that, that's kind of affected your guys' life and what maybe what some things you've seen with other farmers too. Sure, well, yeah. Uh... I mean, there, there's the there's the obvious stuff, and then there's the not so obvious stuff. I mean, the obvious the obvious thing was in you know uh, whatever April of 2020. Uh, you know, we we like so many others sold like you know uh, six months of inventory in about six weeks. Uh, we'd never seen anything like it before, as the, the you know grocery store shelves got you know uh, went went down, and um, that that was as you know that was primarily not not that there wasn't food out there it was that that the the restaurant shut down and re restaurant packaging and retail packaging are two very different kinds of packages and so with half of the food stream going into restaurant packaging they couldn't shift fast enough to you know to, to divert it to retail packaging that that's simply what that was but but it, it did wake a lot of people up and um and for us fortunately we had begun shipping for the first time in July 4, 2019. So we'd been shipping already for about seven, eight months before this hit. And we had, you know, bugs worked out and, you know, streamlined procedures and things. So we were able to, uh, you know, to jump on that. And, uh, and that was extremely good for us and, and good for literally every farm that, that I know that had a, you know, a direct marketed, a direct marketed uh, initiative. It was really, really uh, good for us. Um, it was it we you know we lost all of our restaurants we we were servicing about 50 restaurants we're probably only servicing 20 uh wow. today most of them will most of them will never come back into business really uh and yeah 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 it, it was it was that 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 whole lockdown thing uh was a, a was a bonanza for drive through windows if you didn't have a drive-through window, you were sunk. Absolutely. And, and so think so 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 who has drive-through windows? Drive-through windows Corporate. are not the places that we. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. McDonald's, Hardee's, Burger King, Wendy's, uh, Arby's. It's it's all the big chains. And so so there was a massive transfer uh, of of um, you know of of food you know wealth uh, in the restaurant sector to the fast food to the fast food industry and all the little mom and pops you know they're the ones that, that took it on the chin so that was that was pretty uh dramatic and um and so so then the next thing that developed was uh just you know uh, people didn't want to get together i mean um so, you know, we, we service several urban drop, we service about 30, 32 uh, urban drop points. These are neighborhood drop points. 
and um, and the 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 terror. In, you know, I have to go pick up my food. You know, and 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 so what? What literally a month a month before was a bunch of ladies. I mean, you know, all of our customers are women, right? That's that's who buys the food. Yeah. And so all of our customers come, and you know, they're they're giving their hugs and they're oh, you know, they're 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 kissing each other's babies and they're you know, suddenly it became this this uh, uh, paranoid, um, fearful terror. And, and, you know, if, uh, I mean, like, like some of them would not, I mean, for example, um, you're going to love this. We, you know, we, we would take, we're, we're in the frozen meat, you know, where we've got coolers, we've got, you know, a hundred coolers of frozen meat on the truck. Right. And we had customers who, when we would open up their cooler, instead of taking the packages out, these are packages of ground beef and bacon and t-bone steak and whatever pork chops they had sani wipes sani wipes and would wipe down the packages in the cooler before they would touch them to put it in their cooler i mean it was madness isn't it isn't it it it, 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 it was it was insane isn't it isn't it amazing these these are people these are people who who for years have been uh, um, lambasting the big farm, big pharmacy, big pharma. You know they're they're evil, they're corrupt, they're they're taking our money, they're overcharging us. You know, and and, and suddenly here, uh, there there are there there are salvation. Suddenly, from one day to the next, they turn from the devil to God. You know, it was just it was just unbelievable. It, you know, the thing that's been so crazy about all of this happening is how like you just kind of illustrated there people's common sense all of a sudden went out the window so people who are buying your product are buying it because there's no vaccines in the animals there's no antibiotics there's no steroids there's no pharma in your farm whatsoever and then all of a sudden it's sign me up for the next booster shot like i I, and the thing the thing that's been so kind of sad about the the last two years with all this is how politics has basically overridden people's ability to think for themselves because for the last 30 to even 50 years of it sort of environmentalist propaganda it's been the narrative of trust the experts we must always trust the experts and so anytime that the word experts is put in a headline from the atlantic you know who or the new york times who have certainly written some things about you in the past People just go, oh, okay, yeah. experts. So they they know. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, you know, um, and and then then what developed for us was so so as this thing started to started to to shake down, uh, you know, in 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 Virginia here, like you know, many states, there were these mask mandates and lockdowns. And I mean, the thing, the thing, uh, when, when I knew, when, when I knew that this was, that this, well, I knew it was, uh, whatever, not correct. It was, it was something fishy about it early on, but when it really, when it really hit me was when our governor shut down farmers markets because they are non-essential and Walmart and Costco and Kroger's, the big supermarkets, stayed open. 
Unsung so here we were farmers criminal. trying to trying to trying to make it trying to make it and 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 suddenly to be told to be told you're not essential do you do you know what that does to the human psyche to be told you're not essential yeah. and so so we immediately realized yeah. This is not about COVID. This is something else. Yeah. And so we we at that point decided, oh, we're gonna we're gonna fight back a little bit. So we made a sign, not huge, but but plenty big enough on our farm store here out at the farm. Masks, masks, your body, your health, your choice. And we put that sign up. Do you know that we lost we lost restaurants? We were, we were kicked out of the, uh, so when they shut down the farmer's market, we went, we went with another, a, a lady that makes cheese, uh, uh, artisanal cheese in the area, who went to the farmer's market, and uh, she and us started a drive through farmer's market, you know, where people could just, they could order on we put it all together, and they would, they would not even get out of their car, you know, they would, uh they they would hand their check or whatever pay through yeah. the window and we'd put the bag in the back seat and they drive on never even you know got out right. of the car this thing you know hit the news news and people started uh doing it all over the country different different places well that you know that was up and running and then next thing you know here that group of farmers they kick us out of what we started because we're you know we're not following the mask mandates and all, you know, out at the farm, the local newspaper took, got a picture of it. this local, you know, local organic farm um, uh, uh, wants to murder people, you know, because we're not demanding masks. And I mean, it, the, the health, the health department called, Hey, we've gotten calls and reports that you people aren't abiding by the, you know, mask mandate. I mean, just it, it, it's, it's, it, it's absurd. And, um, and so anyway, we, you know, we've, we've, uh, been through a little bit of, a little bit of baptism, yeah. uh, with that, but, but the sign yeah. is still there. We still have it up. And in fact, about 90% of the people who came out, took pictures of it and, you know, social media it and other, we saw, we've, we've been at other places where other people are, du are duplicating that sign on, on their, on their places. And, uh, so, you know, we, we had our, we had our detractors, but we also had the people that we encouraged and inspired. To, yeah, let's let's stand up and and uh, and 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 say, you know, th this is a charade. We know that it is, and we're going to stand for this. And uh, so, you know, when you're when you're in this this artisanal food business, this environmental food business, the problem is mo many, if not most, most of our customers are kind of liberal minded tree lefties. hugger, you know, environmental yep. types, yep. lefties. Yeah. yeah. And, and the people we align with more politically because we're small governmenters, we're, we're liberty lovers, we're, you know, we're, we're entrepreneurs, we're, yeah. we're non-victim, non-victims. Yeah, yeah. Take responsibility. Um, those kind of people are all lined up down at Chick-fil-A eating junk food, you know? So that's, <laughs> that's the tension that's the tension of our business you know it, it is, is, it, is it, it, to it, not alienate the one and try to capture the other yeah well it's just it's it i've observed that you know yourself and myself we also work with other farmers right and we see the the, the general scene of call it the regenerative agriculture permaculture movement what have you um 
I, just myself, I've witnessed a huge divide just in that because it's almost like the last four years of politics in the United States with Trump, it almost, it, it, it pushed everything to the brink and, and, and people were either on one side or the other. You either hate Trump or you don't. And it's like all these people, as you said, who were just, just before two years ago, we're always fighting big pharma, big ag and all this, but we're also saying, I hate Trump. Now are going, oh, wait a second. The people who are saying they don't like the mask mandates look like the kind of people I see at Trump rallies. Therefore, I must be for the mask mandate because if I wasn't, it might make me right wing. And heaven forbid, somebody call me right wing or conservative or, or white, for all that matter, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're, you 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 peg you pegged it you pegged it per perfectly the 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 partisanship the partisanship and 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 the thing that has really uh, look you know we've always had partisanship. There's always you know one side or the other on different issues, but what's made this particularly bad now is the cancel culture yeah the, the, the woke the this where where you know if, you if 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 i can't if i can't build a um i mean i've always thought if we disagree let's find the 10 percent we agree on and have a conversation yeah uh, what's wrong with that you know we'll all we'll yeah. both learn something but yeah. but the, but this cancel thing is well, we agree. We agree on ninety-five percent, but I'm going to focus on the five percent and cancel. Draw a line in the sand on that five. Yeah, exactly. Because you're you're five percent, and so you know you may know that you know Mother Earth News uh, canceled us. Oh, and, very um, well aware. Uh, and so you know we we went through you know we went through all of that, uh, and so you can't even have a conversation uh, about these things. We we uh, we had a, a, an outfit here locally that we'd been good friends with for 15 years. They they do um, a real first class two year um, uh, sustainable ag fellowship program. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They call them they call them fellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fellows. Uh, just just first class. Really really great. And we've we've known them since the you know, before the school start, before the outfit started and have been good friends with them. Well, you know, they, they canceled us. Oh. And I said, you know, I'm not going to let that go down. Let, let's, let, I'm, I'm going to have the executive director out and uh, we're going to have a conversation. So I had a, one of, one of our uh, apprentices for, is from California. She's a bit of a hippy dippy, you know, free spirit, wonderful, wonderful gal. Um, you know, in other words, she, she comes from a little different background than I did, you know? And so I said, I said, um, Lauren, why don't you come and be in on the, you, I need you to be accountability for me, you know, so I, so I speak uh, respectfully, carefully, um, charitably, and so we had this long conversation, and we got done, and Lauren said, oh, I think we really made progress there, and, um, and a week later, nothing, I mean, it was, it was as if we had not even had the conversation, and so, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and this whole your body, your health, your choice. I mean, we have, I've, I've always said that when the, 
um, as far as you know, food food regulations and all that. You know, when the when the government gets between my lips and my throat, yeah, I call that an invasion of privacy. Absolutely. And and and, and people, yeah, you know, all these people scream, yeah, we agree with that. We would agree with that. But suddenly here with COVID. All those, not all, but 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 the majority of those people who have come to these, you know, food craft rallies in the past are suddenly, um, uh, you know, to completely embracing the the evil oligarchical pharmaceutical companies as as a savior and 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 embracing even the you know the, the fauci's the cdc the it's you know the, the the people that uh, they, that they've always said you know you, you can't believe them i mean in the past they've they've really been against the you know the military the the yep. military industrial complex and 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 i am too in a, in a lot of respects i'm kind of a you know a ron paul kind of kind of guy and um i'm i'm a believer in that as well but what's what's happened is th- th- there's been some really funny realignments here that that the, uh-huh. the, the, hypo- the hypocrisy here has been really um uh, just really amazing I, you know i i wouldn't have thunk it i mean our our customers that come to us because we rail against the man and we rail against establishment and we rail against the orthodoxy you know suddenly we're we're the devil because because we don't we don't believe this particular um narrative yeah well, and so you yeah. know they're, they're picking and choosing that you know the narrative they are and it's it's um it's almost like you have you have to kind of look back and go how did we get to a point where we're living in george orwell's 1984 and you and I both know that two plus two is four because we can see it. We can count with our own eyes. Right. One, two, three, four. Two plus two is four. But the state is saying, no, two plus two is five. And because we said it so, therefore it is. Don't trust your own eyes. Like I, it, it, I draw the comparison to, I don't know if you've seen that sort of, CNN has become a total joke over the last two years, but there's that meme of the one reporter standing in front of the fires and it says mostly peaceful protests. It's like that, for example. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly peaceful. I mean, it's it, it's anarchy and destruction and and everything behind me. Well, not anarchy. Anarchy is peaceful, but it's chaos. And uh, and they're going yeah. no, it's peaceful. Yeah. And it's 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 you know this is the thing that has kind of driven me crazy within the sustainability organic movement for many years is the envi- environmentalism started with a lot of good intentions. And I'm sure I, I'd be curious to know your thoughts, what what your thoughts are on this, but started with a lot of good intentions, like many things, grassroots and whatnot, but it turned into a big oligarchical scenario where you have a regulatory capture and all these environmental bills that come in favor the big players and they hurt the small players. And this propaganda of so many years of, we must trust the experts, we must, um, you know, whatever they say about climate change, whatever Greta says this week, is the is the new um, is the new mantra for the week, and um, we we in a, in a way we've been compartmentalized with so many years of this narrative of trust the science, trust the experts that that perfectly moved into this. Whereas people could have they can carry a cognitive dissonant thought of 
I normally don't trust big pharma, but I do trust the experts and government bureaucrats on their opinions, those fancy universities and all that. And so now when they tell me to do this, I go, okay. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great, um, it's a great lead into a kind of, it's kind of a big, a big discussion. I, I would just, I would just say that generally, um, you know, environmentalism grew out of an absolute uh, sincere heart towards stewardship um, and, and and because the environmentalists also had a they had a heart well okay let, let's they had a heart for animals they had a heart for tomatoes they had a heart yeah. for trees okay all right but what happened was that that heart also spilled over to they had a heart for for the down and outer and, and listen i'm not i'm not I'm not opposed to charity. I'm not opposed to down and outers, but but what happens is that 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 stewardship mentality toward the environment, toward the ecosystem, spilled over into an allegedly uh, governmental so, uh, responsibility to to all these. Um, um, to, to the social safety net we're going to save the environment and we're also going to save the people that won't work and the people that don't that don't it it, it, it came to this well you know in in uh, in debate circles you call it the bleeding heart the the, yeah, the, the, the bleeding heart and 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 yeah. the pro the pro the, the problem is here's here's the problem the the problem stems from asking for a governmental solution to to a to a a decision made individually now i'm not i'm not trying to say we shouldn't have i'm not an anarchist and, and and i don't think that you know we should eliminate all laws but i do think i do think that every uh societal solution should be handled at its least centralized point, <coughs> if possible, excuse me. In other words, if all of the effort that had gone into having environmental laws had gone into educating consumers about who is polluting the river? Don't buy from them. Who is cutting the who is cutting all the trees? Don't buy that lumber. <clears throat> and, and had been focused on personal responsibility as a way to change the trajectory. I'm convinced we could have gotten a lot farther faster, and we would have done it without the bureaucracy. No and problem. the problem is, the problem is that we have taken um we have taken the, these new shall i say uh cares or awarenesses and instead of working on getting people to to change their um level to change society you know with bureaucracy just we're back. I I, I kind of got where you were leaving. On it, 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 it cut out a bit, but this uh, this whole this idea of 
I'm not going to change myself. Therefore, I'm going to ask society to change for me. And, you know, even, even what you've experienced with cancel culture is similar to that as well. I mean, we've gotten so far with the nanny state that everybody has become weak. And, you know, I actually like to draw the analogy between your style of farming and um, a CAFO to be your style of farming in a way represents a little bit more of a libertarian idea in that the animals are left to experience, as you put it, the pigness of the pig. And they get to express their life as close to a natural way as they could up until the last, you know, the last minute of their life, which is the, the worst part of their life. But other than that, they live a great life. Whereas you take the CAFO, right. the caged animal feeding operation, where you hack them, stack them, pack them, it almost represents a form of socialism or fascism in that this is not how we are meant to live. I, be, I believe this for human beings as well. I think we're seeing right now, you know, ever since really the New Deal in the United States, we are seeing a sort of de-evolution of, human, of humans, of society, if, if you will, in that we have, we become weak and soft. This is how, this is why cancel culture is even a thing, because these little brats who have nothing better to do with their time because they're not out being productive, they're just sitting in their little cubicle and uh, kind of just being told what to do, be, oh, be compartmentalized, commercialized, commodified, you know, and they have no sense of individuality or personal responsibility. Not only, I think, I think I'd like to just add two things. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You're, you're saying it exactly right. Uh, I would just add that, um, that I think that every human, all of us are drawn, we're drawn deep down in our, in our soul, our spirit. We're drawn to noble causes. We're drawn to, I think the human spirit, the human soul is drawn to, you know, to, to noble, important, we like to think that we're doing something really noble and sacred. And, and unfortunately, our, our commercialism, our, our mercantile commercialism, celebrity culture has, I think, um, it has, has, it's cheapened, it has cheapened the human um, the human legacy, the, the legacy of the human, the, the nine to five, yeah. uh, you know, uh, go, go, go to work. In other words, uh, work is a place you do. It, it's not, it's not a thing you are. Yeah. Uh, your vocation is somebody else's deal. It's not actually part of, part of you. And, and so we've, we've actually cheapened, cheapened the sacredness and nobility of, of action of, of, our activity. Yeah, that's one thing. The second thing I think is what one of the things that's really feeding this is this whole uh, fantasy culture, video, video games, video culture. Absolutely. The average American male today between twenty five and uh, the average American male today between twenty five and thirty five hours of video games a week. Insane. And so what we we've exchanged, yeah, it is insane. We've exchanged, you know, children's chores. We've exchanged uh, that that kind of basic responsibility 
and 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 gardening and canning green beans and shucking corn and all those those visceral those visceral uh, commonsensical activities of, of of foundational human existence we have transferred all that time and attention to a complete fantasy yeah that that does exist and and when and when when we mess up when our when our car runs off or our guy gets killed the game gives <laughs> us a new car and a new person and new clothes and new ammunition and, <laughs> and life isn't like that when the tomato plant dies you know you, you don't stand there over over the dead tomato plant and wait for the for for the garden to give you a new one you, know, you, <laughs> you got to go out and start over exactly it's it's and and and, and we are we are at the precipice right now of that going to the next level with this whole idea of the metaverse and people are going to just jack in. And, and it, to me, it almost seems like it's been perfectly crafted a sequence of events with, with the whole pandemic narrative, um, getting people used to just live in lockdown, you know, living without a purpose, not socializing, isolated. Now oh, just plug your head into this machine and go and live in this virtual reality. It's it's like a it's like a dystopian sci-fi movie that I know there's there's got to be many episodes or movies about that scenario because it almost seems cliche at this point. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. The the fact that now we have uh, you know suicide rates are so high among among teens. We've got we've got uh, elementary children drawing people without faces. Oh, that's a new phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, imagine that drawing as a little child drawing yeah. people without faces. Oh, that's crazy. And, and so this further, you use the you use the term dystopian. I mean, it, it what it it further alienates us from from the 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 visceral connection, which is which is what makes us which which is what makes me responsible. It makes me responsible to not only um, to not only serve you but also responsible that i don't uh you know unnecessarily harm you i mean all of these these uh social responsibilities that we've had have now been um distilled into this 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 paranoid uh face covering yeah and of course and of course the jab yeah and 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 so uh, we 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 have lost that civil. We've lost that, that the the civil discourse and the civil responsibility that we've always had as people, and um, and it's 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 not a it's not a good thing. So th this is where I want to kind of start talking about some solutions because we really kind of outlined a lot of big macro problems that we see in the world right now, and. You know, one thing you've talked about for many years, and uh, my farm did as well, and and the work you did was was a big inspiration for for my farm, way back when I started. It was this this whole idea of private members associations, and it seems like not only are these private members associations going to have to continue as they have been for farms, as we continuously get hammered with endless regulations and um, just over bureaucracy but that the idea of a private members association might have to really start expanding into other things because we've seen in some countries right now where 
you can't even go to the grocery store. Like in France, you can't go to the grocery store without a vaccine identification. And there's already talks about people doing the same thing for banking, which could be really scary. But, you know, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on the kind of the scalability of a private members association. Like where, where can we go to take this to other sectors? You know, of course, the farm is the, is the most important thing. Without, without the farm, we don't have civilization, right? Without, without specialized agriculture, nobody else can be specialized. And so I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that of, what we, where we can scale it, where we can take private members associations kind of to the next level. Yeah, well, it's it certainly it certainly isn't easy, and I think we're so early in the process that it's really hard to, um, you know, to kind of see down the road where this might go. But um, but for sure, the idea of of trade. Um, well, we say create a parallel universe, you know, yeah. uh, where we can where we can create among ourselves. Um, for example, you know, um, we go we go to an acupuncturist who takes payment in in meat, and um, you know that's the kind of I think the the extension that you're talking about to where um, trade around. And and so the beauty of the internet now is that the you know things like Craigslist, uh, the, the base, the basic um, platform for large communities to do complex trading. Um, you know, to where I, I don't have to necessarily find somebody. You, you kind of have this platform that everybody's willing to, to take value. Now, you know, obviously, yeah. Bitcoin is trying to you know is presenting itself. As, mm -hmm. as, as the answer in this space. And, and it, it may be, it may be, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn about Bitcoin, but it, you know, for, <laughs> a, for a caveman like me, you know, it's, it's pretty, it, it's pretty far off the, you know, off of my uh, radar. Right. Um, but, but I, I think the, of creating a, a broad-based eclectic community. You know, my dad. Uh, my dad was a you know, tremendous visionary, and we grew up. You know, um, it, you know, with friends throughout my teenage years, back in the late '60s, early '70s, and the hippie movement. You know, we were we were these Christians, and, and at church, you know, we were these straight-laced, mental Christian people. And then on the farm, all of our friends were you know, dope-smoking hippie. Uh, hippy dippy beaded bearded braless you know hippie kind of folks and and at that time you might remember this was uh early 70s um interest rates went to like 18 percent uh -huh. and um and there were bar there were barter fairs barter fairs all over the place wow. where people would i mean they were massive people a hundred hundred people 200 people would descend on a on a stadium or something and one guy would bring chickens and other would bring knives and would bring you know uh um whatever furniture uh and another guy set up his chiropractic table you know wow and, and there were these barter fairs and uh they they never really took off took off but i've been thinking about those lately you know with this pma concept that that back then in the 70s we didn't have the kind of uh um large-scale electronic platform 
Right. I, imagine now you could assemble a barter fair basically electronically. You could have electronic aggregation of a platform and uh, that different than everybody having to show up at the same time to you know to to do their bartering so you know i i think that these kind of things will will just develop of necessity as these kind of um you know stipulations and regulations on on our behavior uh, escalate it, you know if they escalate i think that they will press us what happens is it, when tyranny becomes uh, too acute it becomes more efficient to figure out a way to circumvent than it is to comply. Absolutely. And so there, there's a tipping point where, where compliance becomes more costly than circumvention. And, yeah. I, and I think in, in a lot of ways, we're approaching that. hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, and it's, it is different from state to state. Like what, how, you know, just kind of in your local area right now, are you, are they relaxing some of these mandates and things like that? Or is this just still full steam ahead in your area? Well, in, in, our, in, in our state of Virginia, if anybody is aware of, of what's happening politically in, in the US, uh, Virginia in the last election in November, it completely flipped from, from straight Democrat, uh, both the, the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and the general assembly of uh, the legislature all four things were Democrat, and at, at, at uh, November's election, they all flipped to Republican. And so already, all the mask mandates are gone. Oh, Kids wow. are going up masks. Uh, it, 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 it has, the, the whole thing has just completely changed in, in two weeks. Um, so it's, it's, quite, it's quite amazing, and I think accentuates the, the partisan nature of this whole thing it, it there's such a strong partisan nature that I, I don't i don't know anybody well i suppose some people do but um very few people i think at this point actually believe that the whole um regulatory uh, you know isolation masks mandates all this have actually been pushed strictly for public safety <laughs> <laughs> that well that that could just be the circles that we run in um because that's certainly the, that's certainly the case in my world but then you know i was uh i was at a grocery store in uh the town of Kelowna, which we don't live in anymore but you know we're a couple hours away we go there every now and then and uh, i was there with my wife and we we are we have been steadfast we don't wear masks um, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite versed in the legal system. So I've, I've read the mandate I, and I can see there's exemptions in there. And let me just say we have an exemption and no problem. And we were at the grocery store and a woman was in the, the aisle with my wife. And uh, she, my wife isn't wearing a mask. And this woman, of course, is. And uh, she is saying to the cashier, make sure she stands three, six feet away from me. And my wife's like, you can talk to me. But, but where I'm getting with this is that this there's this this is a cultural phenomenon now. This is this is beyond just government mandates. I mean, people are so wholesale bought into this that it's this now this cultural phenomenon. And you know, what do we do with this now? Because it's no longer just about politics or ideas. It's cultural. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think I think it begs the question of of personal health. Um, 
you know, is, well, I mean, it, it actually begs the question, who owns my body? Is my yes. body owned by society? Is my body owned by society or is, is my body owned by me? And the, the problem is in, in this particular instance, we're, we're being told that what I do to my body has an effect on the person sitting next to me. And, you know, that's different than me, me just being able to harm, you know, if I want to drink Coke and, and die of diabetes, that's my prerogative. Um, but that doesn't affect the necessarily affect the person next to me. But in this case, the, the narrative is that, that I am, you know, I am affecting you. And so it really, it, it really is a different uh, pressure. It just, it's a different pressure that we're under. Um, in, in if my behavior, if my behavior affects you, um, that's a, that's a, a much more different thing than me being able to just harm myself. Yeah. And, and, and so it's, it's a real tough thing. And, and it does, it does speak to worldview paradigm, how we, how we view disease and how we view immunological function. I mean, I, I, I would love to see uh, a national build your immune system month, you yeah. know, um, yeah. imagine if, if, imagine if, uh, if Fauci, Fauci stepped to the microphone and said, okay, everybody, we're going to do, we're going to build our immune systems for a month. Here's what we're going to do. Um, and we're, we're not going to, we're not going to mandate this. You're, you're on your, you're on your own recognizance, but here's my, here's my deep suggestion for everybody. You're going to, um, we're not going to drink any Coca-Cola for a month. Uh, we're not going to eat any junk food for a month. We're going to actually cook food in our kitchens, real food, um, you know, and, and eat that. And, um, and we're going to get outside for 20 minutes a day to get 20 minutes of sunshine. We're going to, we're going to sweat for 20 minutes a day. Um, you know, work up a sweat, get your heart rate up and get some, do some sweat. We're going to, we're going to drink half a gallon of water a day. We're going to, um, watch only one hour of news a week and five hours of hilarious comedy. So you're <laughs> laughing hilariously five hours a week. Um, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to go to bed. We're going to sleep for eight hours a night. And, and, um, uh, let's see, what's another thing we can do. Oh, another thing we could do is, uh, make a list. Everybody make a list of all the people you hate and forgive them. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. something tells me you that know, uh, Fauci's bottom line wouldn't uh, there'd be a conflict of interest on that one. But but it's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's so true what you're saying. And that, that that even ties into, you know, what I think. Are you familiar with terrain theory versus germ theory as the sort of two medical paradigms? Oh, absolutely. Of, of course uh, you are. Antoine so Beauchamp yeah well that's the thing that's been so fascinating about what's happened is that is really kind of exposed that because you and i as farmers even if we don't know the science behind it we can understand the idea of terrain theory and hey you know if you're just feeding your your your, your pigs and your cows conventional feed and they're sitting in a feedlot well, chances are they're going to be more prone to illness and you're going to need all these injections to keep up with it. 
But when they're living on the pasture and they're eating what's natural to them and they're in the sunshine and they get lots of exercise, they're drinking fresh water. Hey, look, they don't have any of these diseases. And it, it, it's so funny how there's, there's that idea, but people don't really seem to get it really when it comes to this whole thing. And it's, you know, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the country, Finland, Finland, um, leads the world now in this whole notion of, um, of, of microbial, you know, microbial assault. Uh, you're probably familiar with the hygiene hypothesis, hygiene hypothesis. In fact, it was a, it was an op-ed piece in the Washington, um, the, the wall street journal actually this week carried a big article on the hygiene hypothesis, uh, you know, where your immune system actually needs, needs periodic assaults in order to exercise it, like your immune system is a muscle. And in Finland, they've now, that's where they've really done these definitive studies where they've compared the, uh, the, the sickness rate of children who grow up on a farm, and especially those who grow up on a farm where uh, from day one, they're out, you know, in a, in a stable with cows and things yeah. uh, versus the, the city kids, the city kids and what, and, and they're actually, they're actually um, uh, what it, it, trying to get city people to actually get bags of, uh, of soil from farms to, um, to touch dust and, and you know, uh, bump up against so you know curtis i've actually i've actually got a got an entrepreneur's uh, idea for you yeah. uh, what we need is to offer a, a subscription service to 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 create um you know soil soil uh, like doormats where when you walk in the house you stomp on it and it you know and and, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll let people you know buy our services for you know 40 bucks a month uh, you know like 40 bucks a quarter or whatever and at once a quarter we'll come in and we'll change it out with new compost and farm soil exactly and this little you know bladder this little bladder bag yeah and system but um you know that's where we are in in his famous book you know guns deal this was yes. the whole idea behind uh the germ part of that book the, the ascendancy the ascendancy of cultures uh the the ones who had a good immune system were the ones who had proximity to uh to livestock I would just say, you know, when grandma said everybody should eat a pound of dirt before they're 12, grandma was probably right. Totally. And so, so where we are now is, is in such a, a sterile, um, uh, sterile, lethargic, non-exercised immunological state that, that we're, we're, we're susceptible. We're much more susceptible to things than we used to be. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, you asked the question, you know, well, what do we do? Well, uh, one of the things that we can do is actually start talking about how, to, how do you build an immune system? I, I, don't think, I don't think I've heard anyone in the public, you know, from Fauci on down, Centers for Disease Control, Francis Collins, I haven't heard anybody even suggest that maybe we could build that we could actually build immune systems. Yeah. I haven't heard anybody suggest it's not even, it's not even in the, in the, in the conversation. And yet no. that goodness, if you're having sickness, it seems to me like that's the place to start. 
Well, it would be for guys like us, but guys like us aren't completely driven by dollars and cents. You know, there's there's a huge difference between being an entrepreneur, but also being, you know, a crony capitalist. And right. The, right. this is where I think a lot of a sort of cultural transcendence is going to happen because I'm all for capitalism. I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. I work hard. I like to make money. But at the same time, um, I'm not driven in it that when I can see something that's obviously for the greater good. And then a lot of these guys will say, well, no, that doesn't that doesn't help our bottom line. The shareholders aren't going to like that. And this is this seems to me that it's a, some kind of paradigm shift that has to happen because this commercial system that you are more than uh, well aware of uh, and you see it in every layer of bureaucracy that affects your farm, uh, it's completely driven by commerce. And how can how can we come out? I mean, I, I, I think I think one one of the things that I, I, I see in in what you've done is you've made farming really cool. And a lot of you you've inspired probably millions of young people to say, I want that lifestyle because I, for myself, that's, that's, that's what drives me. Cause I don't know how else to win the war, uh, that, that war, because it's, you know, you're going up against big farmer, you're going up against big ag, like, you know, it's sort of this, um, this just kind of slow war of attrition, if you will. Yeah. Well, well, so, so what's happening then, uh, um, Curtis, is that so many, what I'm hearing so much now is just people frustrated saying, how do I disengage? They feel like the system, the system is overbearing. It's not accurate. It's out of control. And, and rather than change the system right now, there's a tremendous uh, desire on, on the part of many people to just, can I just disengage? Can I just disengage from the system? Yeah. And, um, and, and, I, and I think farming um, of all vocations, probably farming offers the greatest opportunity to disengage. If you can, if you can get, mo get all or most of your, your heat, for example, by firewood, solar or whatever, Yep. If you if you can get a lot of your power, your heat, your food, I mean, you can shear sheep and then and, and make fiber too, make your clothes too, yeah, uh, or beet flax or whatever. But 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 the point is, in 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 agriculture, in a farm, um, we have the highest chance of disengaging more places. You you you, you can you can have a composting toilet so you don't have water utility you can you can tap a spring or build a yeah independent of utilities um it it affords the greatest opportunity to disengage and, and i think that there is a tsunami of interest right now in just in just disengaging yeah i it's i've, I've never seen it like this in my life the the, the last two years has been really good for me in many ways. Um, but so this, you know, this idea of remedy in the farm, uh, the homestead off grid ties into a, an event that you are part of. Um, and my good friend, John Moody, 
uh, at the rogue food conference. I wish I could be down there, man. I mean, I'm uh, to, to be down there with you guys would, would be like the, my, my, my dream come true right now. But unfortunately the political atmosphere we're in pre prevents me. I, in Canada, I cannot get on a, an airplane without taking an injection. Now, how insane is that? But that's yeah. just the world we're living oh, in. But yeah. It's insane. But, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, w what are some of the things that you guys um, are going to be talking about at Rogue Food? And may may maybe you want to just talk about that a bit freely. But, I mean, it's just such an exciting event. And, again, wish I could be there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, th this will be our... Our fourth, our fourth one. We're we're uh, moving it around the country. It's it's really really gaining momentum. Um, it's a food conference, you know, going rogue, right? And and the the byline is circumvention, not uh, not compliance. Circumvention, not compliance. Yeah. And so what we're doing is assembling the best practitioners and and uh, kind of. Um, uh, guerrilla marketing minds, both legal and just, you know, uh, sharp farm people around the country who have figured out how to engage with customers um, without, without, uh, without complying to licenses, food safety regulations, without engaging with the bureaucracy. <clears throat> and so, so some, some people that we've Obviously, the, the personal membership association is one idea. One lady has started a food church. You join the church, and um, and, and that gets you into all of this uh, unlicensed food. Another uh, guy figured another guy uh, figured out a way to um, to have an agreement with people who bought his pigs and lambs, and um, and they get they get the uh, the meat, and he gets the guts. And you can legally process your own animal. So he processes his animal to get the guts, and then and then gives away the um, the meat part. Um, and they really? try to close him down, close him down, and 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 nobody can touch nobody. Can. So so it's so what we're trying to do is is put put the people who have figured this stuff out, put give them a stage, let them tell their story. And, uh, and and most of them have had run-ins with the you know with the bureaucrats just like I have, and um, and and it, it it's incredibly empowering. I'll tell you what it is like. It is like drinking out of a of a Liberty fire hose for a day. <laughs> it's just you become intoxicated with with and and. That's a good thing to be intoxicated in. Uh, if you're yeah. going to get intoxicated, get intoxicated with freedom. Yes. And, and so, uh, yeah. So these things are really great. They're gaining steam. We, we're getting a bigger and bigger, you know, pool of people to um, to pull from. Um, you know, we we had a guy uh, at the last one um, last fall. Uh, he had a coffee shop in Tennessee. I'm sorry, Kentucky, Kentucky had a coffee shop and they did a lockdown, you know, nobody could, and he said, no, I'm, I'm going to stay up. This is my business. He said, I can't, I can't lose my livelihood. So he, you know, he, he stayed open. Well, the next thing you know, bureaucrats show up. Well, he was extremely social media savvy and started, you know, um, um, you know, videoing these bureaucrats, the conversation he posted on social media, the thing went viral and, and he literally, he literally stood down the bureaucracy. They, they told him that, uh, that, that people couldn't, that people couldn't come inside for their food. So he hooked up with a food truck 
and uh, and started started selling his coffee outside from a food truck, which which then they if he wasn't serving it inside, then it was legal for them to come in and sit. So they served the they, they got the coffee out the food truck, then came into the into the coffee <laughs> shop to sit and drink it, and that was legal. I mean, so he just he, he he just pushed every single every single little thing it was like the star on the on the news. You know, every night uh, he had a new you know twist. There was a new thing, and, and he just kept kept pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, and kept winning, winning, winning. And, uh, and eventually he, you know, he stood, the, the governor had to back down, he stood down and then the whole thing uh, went his way. And, um, and when it was all said and done, he, uh, he took a couple of bags of coffee and took it to the, um, to the governor's mansion and, uh, and took a picture of it, you know, I'm, I'm giving the governor some coffee here. Uh, it, it was just that kind of, of just savvy social media, uh, uh, good stuff. And, and um, that guy is actually running for a state, uh, whatever, delegate or senator or something. Now he's on a campaign and, and he's, he's now this guru of how you beat city hall. Wow. And so we, uh, wow. you know, we, we, feature, we feature these people who are just intrepid, who just won't back down and who say, no, this is, this is my, you cannot take my livelihood you cannot take my soul. You cannot take my business, um, and and they and of course you know through all the <laughs> with all the free news publicity you know his yeah. business like you know quant quintuple um, yeah. uh, because he was getting all this free publicity. Well, so, that's you know I, I, I it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, what's happening I think probably to Joe Rogan now. Uh, Joe Rogan's probably getting more viewers now than he's ever had before because he's getting all this publicity from people who'd never heard of joe rogan Absolutely. and uh, and now suddenly they're you know who, who is this cat you Absolutely. know and so people are tuning in and and he's he's probably crying all the way to the bank oh he he certainly yeah. is and you know that, that's the thing that's that i really really love about what you guys are doing at the rogue food conference because it's so important to share success stories especially now we need to be beacons of light in this absolute dark moment that we're in and um it, it's contagious and, and 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 these successes stack on them on themselves and you you hear these stories of of, of, of i love the i love the there's been a lot of viral videos of, of people standing up to bureaucrats in canada here we've had hundreds of them and these people these bureaucrats i'm sure you've experienced this in your life too they're not really that proud of what they're doing. Sometimes you get one real, you know, who is a real busybody or whatever. But um, I find most of them, when you call them out on this stuff, they're kind of ashamed of what they're doing. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, that that's for sure. In our tangles with these bureaucrats, you know, um, look, they, you know, they're people. They they don't they don't want tension. They don't want to be a bad guy. I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, generally there, there are, there are tyrants, that's for sure. But in general, you know, their kids are in the soccer game. They go down to the, you know, to church Sunday morning or whatever they're, they've got family and, 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 and they just don't want, they just don't want all that tension. And so, I mean, I remember when we had one of our great big showdowns uh, uh, with the, with the food police um, at the end of the week, when it was all over, the guy told me, he said, if everybody treated us like you, 
couldn't begin to, to, to do anything. You just, you just shut us down. And I, I, I took that as a great compliment that at least I was keeping him from focusing on anybody else for a week. <laughs> and there was a lot of satisfaction. There was a lot of satisfaction in it. And, and, and he, he said, man, you're giving me ulcers. And I thought, you know, that's great. And so, so I, I actually, you know, encourage folks to, to, you know, you, look, you don't have to be dis, um, discourteous. You don't have to, you know, be violent, but goodness gracious, you don't have to bow either. And if, if we would just um, make them earn, yes. make, make them earn work for that money. Well, work, work for the freedoms they're, they're, they're taking away from us, make them right. earn it hard. And then, um, then it, it, it at least slows things down, gives them a time. I'll tell you this, uh, Curtis, when we had one of our big showdowns with them, when they impounded a bunch of our beef and accused us of selling uninspected meat, which was not true, but that was the accusation. And of course, you know, you, you don't have a recourse. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're prosecutor, judge and jury. And, uh, and, and the biggest breakthrough I ever had on one of these discussions myself, I looked at the, I had two inspectors, one was the federal and one was the state guy. And uh, I looked at them and I said, okay, put yourself in my shoes. What would you do? Yeah. And there was, there was silence for two minutes. And that's when you're in a meeting and you're staring at each other for two full minutes, that's a long time to stare at each other. Yeah. And, and, and what, I, and that was a breakthrough because before then it was just, well, I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my job. And, and it, see me get on my back legs. You, you be a bureaucrat that just tells me I'm doing my job. I mean, that, that's what the Nazi said when they pulled exactly. the gas chambers on the, in the Holocaust, that's just doing right. my job. Don't tell me you're just doing your job. If you left your heart, if you left your heart back, back at the office, I want you to go pick your heart up and become human again. Yeah. And, and so when I, when I, when I, when I quit trying to defend myself and just said, okay, put yourself in my shoes, what would you do? And I created this, this emotional, you know, uh, a pathos in the exchange, they were speechless. And, and, and as soon, as soon as they, and I, I determined, I'm not going to break this silence. I'm just gonna let them wrestle with that for yeah. a while. And they did for a long, and when, when we got, and, and the next thing that they said was, well, you could do this. And it was a completely circumventive uh, process, which we ended up doing. And, um, and it, was, it was a workaround. Yeah. But, but you have to get these people somehow to think beyond just doing my job, just enforcing the code, so that they understand that they're actually they're actually hurting people. They're, they're, they're hurting you. They, and they have to recognize that and, and wrestle with it. Yep. Yep. Well, words of wisdom. So this has been great, Joel. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, bearing with the uh, technical difficulties as well. So where, where is the first, so where is the event this year then? Uh, so right now, uh, I think there's going to be two this year. Um, I think there's going to be one in Wisconsin, but we, we don't, we don't know that for sure. But the, um, the one that's coming up is March 5th in Live Oak, Florida. Uh, oh. Live Oak is two words, Florida. 
and anyone who's interested in it, I'm sure you have plenty of listeners in the U.S. Oh yeah. Uh, the 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 website is the, the website is of course www.rfc.org. RFC it stands for Rogue Food Conference. Um, RFC.org, and it'll it'll pop right up. Excellent. And uh, yeah, anybody who wants to check that out, I would highly encourage them going. So. Well, this has been fantastic, Joel. I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and bearing with the uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm glad we finally got it worked out. You're, uh, you're such a kindred spirit, and I'm just honored and delighted to, to count myself on part of the Curtis Stone team. <laughs> hey, Joel. Well, you know I got your back anytime the cancel culture comes for you again, man. Uh, I'm all in. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy okay. that. Enjoy that mountain up there. I know you're making a lot of progress and uh, excited to see how you finally end up with all the, all the development you're doing up there. It's really, really uh, cool and exciting. Oh, thanks so much, Joel. I really appreciate it. Okay. We'll take, well, we'll take care and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Very good. Likewise. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that's a wrap folks. Thanks for joining me here. And just a quick reminder on where you can find this podcast. Firstly, everything I post, all the content I create ends up at fromthefield.tv. So that's the first place. If you're not a member of fromthefield.tv, you might want to check it out. It's uh, all about long-form content. We have a seven-day free trial, so you can just sign up for seven days and see if you like it or not. No commitment. Um, and you can cancel any time. Um, the second place is BitChute. So I believe all of my Liberty on the Land episodes are up on my BitChute channel. Thirdly is Odyssey. Um, not all of them are up on Odyssey, but uh, this will be and all of them going forward will be. And lastly is LibertyOnTheLand.com. And the audio versions that are posted into SoundCloud are posted on that website. So those are the four places you can check that podcast out. All right, folks, we'll see you in the next one.